0: But how often do we live as if we're someone God never meant for us to be? Part of knowing who you are is knowing who you're not. Hence the name, The Burt Not Ernie Show. I'm so glad you're here. Let's dig into God's promises. Well, hey there. Hello again everybody. Super blessed as always to be back here again for another episode of the Burt Not Ernie show, the podcast about getting the promises of God into the people of God. This is episode 23, and we're going to move back to Psalm 1. Um check out part 1 of this two-part mini-series podcast thingy. If you want to hear some other chatter about the first few verses of the psalm, it was episode number 21. You can bounce back and listen to that. Um, you can even go back and listen to it later on. It doesn't have to be before you hear this one. So, um, all right, let's get started. It's it's really just such a good word for the Lord's people, this psalm is, all of Psalm one There They're only six verses, but these six verses are, they're just, they're filled up Completely to the brim with promise, and hey, you know I am all about. I am very much interested in the promises of God getting into and remaining established in God's people. So, when I find God's promises, I get excited. God's promises are life, life for us as His children. They are very life. They sustain us, and that word life can be defined like this, like, you know, I'm a word girl, I'm all about the definitions, right? So we can define life as the capacity for growth. Yeah, hello, Christians need that. Functional activity. Oh my goodness, I don't want to just be doing for no purpose. Functional activity is really living. And tied to that, I think is living in God's call on your life, right? That's the ideal functional activity. Change preceding death. Yeah, we are in the process of being changed as we get closer to the day when we go to be with our Lord. And we want the changes that we undergo preceding death to be holy changes, if that makes any sense at all. The existence of an individual human being. Yep, that's life. And it's so valuable and so important. I think that definition kind of sums up why every life is so important and so valuable. The existence of an individual human being. It's very important to know that when God looks at us, he sees that we existed. Does that make sense? Like, and we need to value it in the same exact way, every single life. The period of animate existence of an individual, the time period between birth and death, very basic definition of life there, and the experience or the state of being alive. Yeah, we are all... Alive, we're in this state of being alive right now, but we need to dial in so that we can fully embrace the experience of the state of being alive. So, I really do think that there are some things in the psalm that can make an impact a positive impact, obviously, on the time that we have between our birth and death. You know, like, like there's on a tombstone, it's that dash that really matters more than the year that your life started and the year it ended. What happened in that dash time? So um, these words from Psalm 1, they're gonna improve. They're gonna enhance our existence and they can aid us as we grow more, as we become more functional. Functional human beings are invaluable. Change to become more and more and more like Jesus. And that's what sanctification is, is it not? So we're gonna look at verses four, five, and six today. And I'm thinking in the show notes, I will have these in the Amplified, ooh, shocker, and also probably the Christian Standard Bible, and I may even put in one additional version. Not sure about that, but that's probably how it'll go down when I type these up in a little bit. So first from the Amplified, I'm going to read verses 4, 5, and 6 of Psalm 1. Okay, so it says, The wicked, Those who live in disobedience to God's laws, super great right there off the bat to have a definition of the wicked, those who are living in disobedience to God's laws, the wicked are not so, but they are like the chaff, worthless and without substance, which the wind blows away. Okay, so when it says the wicked are not so, it indicates that there's something referenced previously that it might be helpful to know about, so I'm going to mention that here, Um, It's talking about those who are blessed and fortunate and prosperous. They're the ones, um, in the first three verses, it says, the blessed, the fortunate, the prosperous are those who do not walk or stand or sit in the ways of the wicked. They don't follow their example. They don't even heed or take their advice. It sort of sounds like the counsel that probably your parents gave you about choosing your friends when you were in your formative years, right? Like, um if everybody else jumps off the cliff, are you going to do it too? You know, I mean, choose wisely, uh, all that kind of stuff. Um, Maybe even telling you that friend is not a good friend to you and you maybe didn't want to hear it, but sometimes that desire to be in the popularity club wins out over any type of logic or sound reason. But um it's just interesting to me that God's word has pretty much the exact same wording that our parents do when they're really trying to help us out. It's usually for our benefit not for theirs, right? Uh, they don't really get much out of it. They just have lived long enough to be farther down the road of life to see where the path you're on leads. usually know we good. So, um, you know, and sometimes when you hear that from your parents, you kind of, don't you feel like, oh, golly, like Dennis Nedry from Jurassic Park, and he says, thanks, Dad. I don't know if you know that movie quote or not, but thanks, Dad, as he squeezes his little squeezy stress ball thing. Uh, listen, this mentions also staying in the word of God and letting God's word make an impact, an impact that moves us and improves us. Then we will be like a tree firmly planted with deep roots that are healthy, right? Because deep roots and healthy roots are really critical to growth and life. Promise to bear fruit in season. Okay, so that's what um, the not so is re- is referencing the wicked. They don't get any of those amazing blessings that I just shared with you so the wicked here opting to live choosing to live in disobedience which is kind of like boiled down to rejecting God right rejecting God and rejecting his best for us so those who opt to live that way um, are neglecting God's very best for mankind that he created so he knows what's best for us he created us rejecting God's best for us and rejecting God's best for others is more common than maybe we want to acknowledge, and it should kind of rend our hearts a little bit that we see that so often in society around us. And those who live in that state of disobedience, they're described here as chaff, worthless, without substance, like so wimpy and weak and just just worthless, worth nothing that the wind blows them away. Yeah, no, not a lot of positive right there. No. Verse five from the Amplified says, therefore, the wicked will not stand unpunished in the judgment, nor sinners in the assembly of the righteous. And then verse six, for the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked shall perish. All right. Well, I'm thinking here that we just probably just need to get right down to the nitty gritty and dig around a little bit, dig kind of deep to find what God has for us here as far as specific promises. That's the whole purpose of the podcast, which promises fuel our hope. Does that make sense? Like, your hope is not fueled by um, randomness or, um, you know, I'm caffeinated. I'm on my third cup of coffee this morning. So I'm feeling real hopeful. That's not the kind of hope that actually accomplishes anything. Hope is fueled by specific promises. So Uh, what's in here that we can find? Is there any treasure that we can mine? Well, yeah, it's God's word. So there's always mineable treasure. Let's just dig around for it. If it is true that there is no benefit and only negative drawbacks and detriment to living in disobedience, and that is most certainly a thousand percent true, then since that's true, can we count on the fact that we're going to be the exact opposite of the chaff if we walk in obedience? I think that makes sense, right? Like if we walk in obedience and we get the exact opposite of the chaff, I need to say at this point that in this right here in the podcast, I just want to say it's crazy vital, really important vital to remember. We do not obey a list of pharisaical rules and regs, as our regulations are called regs in the military, and do's and don'ts. We truly do have freedom in Christ. We absolutely do. But we obey... Based on these words that Jesus spoke in John 14, 15, we don't obey because of a list of rules, and we really don't want to obey because of fear of punishment. We want to obey because Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's John chapter 14, verse 15. I will put that in the show notes. Jesus also promised that his commands are not burdensome, that his yoke is light and it is well fitted to us. That means my yoke is well-fitted, and your yoke is well-fitted, and my calling is not going to be identical to yours, and if I try to wear your yoke, it's probably not going to be well-fitted to me. He's a personal God. That's another thing that this tells us, but we don't want to obey him for any reason other than we love him, and we want to be close to him. Okay, so um, so we get the blessing that is the opposite of chaff, and some kind of some like, I don't know, sort of synonyms for chaff might be sewage. That's gross. Swill. Uh, think of that like in maybe the, an old book you read from the 1800s or something. It's a set in the 1800s, and they talk about the swill down in the bottom of the, the jar or whatever. It's just gross, right? Just yuck. Riff raff. Waste. Okay, that's not us, right? As children of God, those things do not describe us. The antonyms of chaff would be gem, goody that one's pretty awesome. Jewel, pearl, treasure. That's what you are to the Lord. You are his treasure. You are his jewel. You're a gem to him. You are literally a gem of a person. Who wouldn't want that to be their description? If you don't want that to be the way that God feels about you. Something's really broken inside of you and you may be dealing with some sort of oppression or something uh, like an orphan spirit. Um, and I'll probably do a podcast on that at some point. But like, this is what God says about you. It's you, Why would you not want that to be your description? Seriously, somebody calls you their treasure. If somebody's telling you you're that you're a gem, you're a catch, you're a plum, you're a peach. Hey, it doesn't really matter. Whether or not words of affirmation are kind of your thing, your love language, it doesn't matter because those kinds of words spoken over you, that's going to put a pep in your step no matter what. That's It's incredible that that's what God says about each one of us, about you, about me. It's true. So, you know, did I not say there was some promise here for us? There absolutely is. So the wind is not going to blow us away, folks. We are rooted. Verse three, we are rooted like a tree firmly planted by streams of water. We're solid. We're settled. We are absolutely established and secure. We are right in the place, whether we're in feast or famine, we're just right there in the exact right spot we need to be. We're right in the place of prosperity and blessing, come feast or famine, come rain or shine, summer or winter, every single season, every single bit of change that life brings, we are set up for blessing. We are set up to be protected. We are set up for success and growth and impact and fruit bearing, period. That is the promise. That is the promise and that's yours today. The wicked will not go unpunished. There is not a single solitary chance that the wicked are going to get off scot-free. Zero, absolute zero percent chance. It's not like some of the Nazi scum who who lied and snuck their way into America after the Second World War who were hiding out here, living the American dream right alongside naturalized Jews who were trying to live just some semblance of a normal life when pretty much everything had been stolen from them. What's normal? What would normal ever be when you survived a concentration camp? Or as the Germans called them before they kind of got busted and then tried to pretty things up a little bit, annihilation camps. That's what they called them. Okay. It's important to know that they, people tell you who they are all day long. They were annihilation camps. What's normal if you survived an annihilation camp? What does normal look like after you survived Auschwitz or Sobibor or Treblinka? What's normal? If you're one of 50, think about that 50 people out of 195,000 who, who walked out of Sobibor. That's insane. There is, there's never a normal for them again. There's just the hope that America offered for them to be able to maybe raise their children in a place of peace. So, you know, kind of the garbage heap human beings who snuck in here under lies and disguise and falsehoods. Look, that is absolutely not how things work in God's kingdom. It's just not. There is no need to go through um, a trial to be denatural, denaturalized, right? and then eventually deported. They're they're not in the kingdom at all. No deceivers are going to make it in. That's just that. I mean, look it up. You'll find that that's the absolute truth. And that should help you in your ability to just trust, to just trust God with whatever injustices have taken place in your life, because we've all had them. And it doesn't do any good to pretend that there has never been injustice against you. That's not what forgiveness is. That's not what trusting God is. Trusting God is saying, I trust you enough, Lord, that I know that I know that I know these people are not going to have a stake with me in eternity, and you're going you're gonna to make it right. And of course, anybody can come to repentance and come to Christ to be forgiven. That's absolutely true. So it's not our job. I shouldn't say they're not going to spend eternity with me. But what you can say is, you're just God you're just. This isn't going to pain me anymore when I step into eternity. And it's not going to rule over me now, because I'm going to walk in total forgiveness. And that means just giving them over to you and giving the injustice over to you. So that brings a lot of freedom when you can just trust God like that. God's not a man that he should lie. And he actually is incapable of lying. He cannot do it. He's a God of justice, and he cannot be otherwise. I'm going to say that again. God is a God of justice, and so He cannot possibly be otherwise. Right there, lying there, right there, there lies the promise for us from verse five. We do not have to stand shoulder to shoulder with those who do not know and will not bend the knee to King Jesus. That is not how it works on the last day when everyone stands before the Lord. You don't have to stand side by side with them. We have a different kind of a judgment than they have, according to the Word of God. Listen, it's a hundred percent true that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. You better believe it is. And there is no less than, better than when you kneel there and you make Jesus Lord of all. Nobody's better, nobody's worse. We're all just sinners trying to receive grace at the foot of the cross. But if you don't yield to him, then you're not going to be standing with his children. Jesus meant it when he said that he was going to separate the sheep from the goats, one to his left and one to his right. He meant it. Sinners will not be gathered in the assembly of the righteous. They will not be. There'll be no opportunity for any of us to defend ourselves. It's not going to happen. There's not going to be any comparison calculator between you and the next guy. No, absolutely not. No way, no how. It's just going to be you before the king of kings. This is really serious stuff. There are people who really bank on the fact that maybe their judgment will be less. They're, they're, you know, whatever they think their punishment might be. They got grounded or whatever I don't know, people, people are weird about this. And they convince themselves that uh, it's not going to be that bad. We're all going to be judged anyway. Uh, individually, not corporately. You're not going to be able to point at somebody and say he's worse than me. You're not going to be able to count on the fact that, well, at least I wasn't a Nazi. That's that, that's not going to fly. That's not going to fly. This is serious. So if you don't know the Lord, he's calling you. He's calling you to know him. It's, it's as easy to do as you can imagine. You just Pray. You just tell the Lord that you want to trade out your messed up life for the life that he gives, that you receive what he did on the cross to pay for your sins as total payment, that you're going to turn and follow him. You're not going to put your hand to the plow and look back. You're going to follow him wholeheartedly and, uh, and just, and pray and ask him, Lord, speak to me, reveal to me who you are, show me what you want me to do with my life and make me whole and make me holy and forgive me. And he'll do it, right? This is, there's no time to play around because you don't know what day might be the last day that you have your last heartbeat. You don't know when you're going to stand before the Lord. But um, so if you don't know him, please know him. You can always message me and I would love to talk more with you about that. We have a really big whopper of a guaranteed promise here. We do not have to stand in the same locale as those who reject the Lord in this life. The wicked, God's got them, folks. God's got them. And their judgment is ain't going to be apples to apples with the children, the king are going to get what we're going to get as children of the king. It's not going to be an exact comparison to the judgment that they're going to be dealing with those who will not submit to the Lord. It's going to be very different. You know what I mean? Like that's a promise. That's a promise. Do not die without knowing the one who paid it all on the cross. Please don't just don't just don't. You don't want that judgment. You want eternal life with the Lord. Okay, ah oh man, oh man, do I ever love this last little part of Psalm one? This is the point in the episode where I gotta remind you that this is the first Psalm in the book of Psalms. Psalm one of 150 Psalms, right? This is our trendsetter. It sets the tone, it lays the foundation, that's the reminder that this that this book the rest of the book builds on. Psalm one, right? It sets the total tone. So, the last few words before the building begins, it's like the one final look over the whole foundation, the foundational work. And that makes it really important because nobody goes on to build a building, a skyscraper, if they haven't really looked over the foundation to make sure everything's set and ready. It just would be a, a foolishness, total cannon fodder, a complete waste to build without doing that last check. So, this last verse of Psalm one is our opportunity to do like a foundation check before we move on. Okay, so the Lord knows, the Lord knows. Jeepers like that right there is huge. That's so much comfort right there. Like you could just stop right there and say the Lord knows, Jesus knows, the Lord knows. Is there one single thing in the whole of your life that isn't made better by those words? The Lord knows. For the Lord knows, something wrong? The Lord knows. Really big trials, really big blessings. The Lord knows. Horrible temptations, life change on the horizon, heartbreak beyond compare, the Lord knows. The Lord knows. The promises of God to us, we're just so blessed, God's so good, and life is so much the richer because we know what he's spoken to us, but he's spoken it to us, he's spoken it about us, he's spoken it over us, the Lord knows. Okay, so for the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous. The Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous. Okay, listen, if you're in Christ, you're fully approved. You cannot get more approved. Can you obey better? Can you keep on letting the Holy Spirit do a sanctifying work? Yeah, absolutely, of course. But be more approved? No, no. That's like saying I need to be, I need to work to be more loved by God. You can't be more loved. You can't be more approved. It doesn't work that way. You're already fully approved and totally loved. So there's no more to be added to that word fully. Fully means fully, right? For the Lord knows and fully approves the way of the righteous. You're already fully approved. Take comfort in that but the way of the wicked shall perish. There's another promise, just such a worthy reminder to let God be God. Let God be God in those hard things. He's perfect in his role as Lord over all. God is perfect in his role as Lord over all, and all does mean all. Let him be who he is without any fret or the worry or all the other stuff that we sometimes drag along with us when it relates to Difficult people, wickedness, hardship, when we've really been wronged, it's hard to do this, but it's so important to just let God be God because he's so perfect at it. Just take some time. Take some time. I'm going to encourage you, please do this. You have time if you're on quarantine right now, so just do this. Take the time to write out Psalm 1. Um, and if you want, just just write out verse 6. I'd like you to write out all of it, but if nothing else, Psalm 1 verse 6 Maybe from the Amplified, you can Google that uh, and put it on a sticky note, stick that to your kitchen window, to your laptop, um, your bathroom mirror, somewhere where you can see it, where it'll be kind of a key part of the foundation of your life. Just do this for the next week or 10 days. Just look at it and read it and ponder it all the time. Make it a part of your foundational, um, you know, your spiritual growth right now. I really do believe that if you can focus on this one verse For the next seven to 10 days, it's going to make an impact. It's going to have a difference. Your stress is going to lessen. Your trust in the Lord, it's going to go up. It's going to grow. Your hope, your hope will flourish. Your heart will be a lot more at ease. All that good stuff. All that good stuff. Give it a shot. Um, Maybe even do it right now. I'm about to wrap up the podcast. So you could do this right now. Write it down so you don't forget. It's in the show notes. I know if you're listening, on your phone while you go on a run or something. You may not want to look at your show notes, but you can you can look it up. Psalm 1-6, Amplified. Write it down right after you're done with this. You can even put it in your phone and set a reminder every day to just read it. That would be, that's a great way to do it. Listen, um, you don't want to put off what the Lord wants you to do because Satan will try to steal it from you every time. So if God's laying on your heart that this would be a benefit and a blessing to you, do it right away. Satan's a scoundrel, He's just a thief. So we can't expect him to be, you know, doing something other than being a thief. He's always running around in his thievery. Don't expect him not to be. So whatever it might be that the Lord is calling you to do, I think this is a word for somebody. Whatever God's calling you to do, do it right away because Satan will steal it from you and you won't remember. Um, And that's just heartbreaking. Okay, but that's it for this episode. I'm super blessed that you were here and joined me. Like I'm um, getting the last little bit of formatting done on an ebook I've written called So Long Guilt and Shame, and it's going to be up on my website, JanAlbert.com within the next couple of days, it's pretty much done. And then uh, next time on the Bert Not Ernie show, we are going to talk about Jesus' dominion because there's a lot of promise that comes when we think about his sovereignty and his dominion. The promises are massive. They're massive there. So we're going to probably look at Daniel and maybe Philippians. Um, You know, it kind of feels relevant right now to think about his, the dominion of the Lord Jesus in these really crazy, uncertain, turbulent times. It's always a good thing to remember that based on the word of God, who really is on the throne? Who's really actually on the throne? So we're going to look at Daniel and then um, I think just Philippians in addition to that. Okay. All right. That is it for today. I just want to say, Lord bless you. And I really do mean that. Lord bless you and keep you. May his his face just shine upon you. May his favor be upon you and upon your children and your children's children in the name of Jesus. Thanks for listening. And I will, I'll be back here again super soon. Um, This podcast is probably going to go live on Monday, April 20th. And I'm thinking the next one will go up Thursday or Friday. So thanks so much. See you next time. All right. Bye-bye.